Well, we started a series last week. Um, it's our Advent series, and as Pastor Rick told us, Advent means coming, and there's a word for each week. And so um, when Pastor Rick, uh, Rick uh, was sharing with us last week, um, he, he brought us the word hope, right? And, and he reminded us that, that Advent is it means coming, right? Coming of Jesus, his baby, and, and coming, the second coming of the Messiah that we await for his return, that the thing that he's brought us is hope right? Hope of reconciliation, hope of eternity in heaven and salvation with him. And today, I'm going to bring you the second word, which is peace. And so today's message is called this, why Advent brings us peace. And Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus, right? That's, that's the coming. That's the awaited arrival is of Jesus. The prophet Isaiah, he said this in Isaiah 9, 6, he said, for a child is born to us, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He'll be called Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. When we look at this text, it's easy for it to become white noise, right? It's the obligatory Christmas prophecy. We hear it every December and it's just a part of the great Christmas plays that, um, that we took our children to or maybe you participated in as a child, right? We, we hear this on the Charlie Brown special and it's easy to miss what Isaiah was truly telling us. I mean, when we look at it, he said, he, the government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. And prince of peace we wanna focus on this morning. When you look at the text, when you look at the original context and the words there, the Prince of Peace means so much more than you could ever imagine. It means the source, the source of peace. Not that he would be known for peace, but he would be the bringer of peace because he would be peace's source in our lives and on our worlds. First century writer and pagan Epictetus, he said this, while the emperor may give peace, from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which many yearns for more than even outward peace. Again, this is a pagan, somebody who's far from God, who doesn't know the truth, as we doesn't, doesn't know the source of peace as we know it, but he knows this. Our hearts yearn for an inward peace, one that the world can't satisfy, that it can never bring. He recognizes this God-shaped hole in our lives that the, the coming of Jesus, right, the Advent season reminds us is there and available to us. Not in a distant future, not in a distant government, but today, now in our lives. He recognized a need the world could not fulfill and he knew there must be a source. He didn't know what it was, but we do. When Jesus was born and the angels appeared to the shepherds, this is what they experienced. It says this in Luke 2, 13. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Bible commentator John Trapp said this, let God have all the glory so we may have all the peace. I mean, you recognize what the angel is saying, glory to God. Look at this gift. So much more than a fragile infant. So much more 
than you can ever imagine. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, glory to God and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. And as we glorify God, as we recognize the gift he's given us, as we put our priorities in alignment with the will of God in all ways, his gift, more than salvation. It's peace and reconciliation with God. It's peace within. It's peace through unity, through his church. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus. Peace between people, between nations, between God and us. In the New Testament, the primary Greek word for peace is Irene, and it refers to rest and tranquility. And so when we look at Jesus as being the source of peace, he's the source of rest. He's the source of tranquility. He's the source of what we need in dire moments, in utter chaos, in times of uncertainty. He's the source of our rest, our tranquility, the source of our peace. I want us this morning, I want us to look at three ways that Jesus brings peace into each of our lives. And as we open up this morning, we're going to be in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5. I want to remind you that if you're here this morning and you do not have a Bible, we've provided all of our notes on uh, the Version Bible app. You can go to the events tab. You can follow along with us there. It has points and scriptural references. We'll have some of it up here on the screen for you as well. But I do want to say, as you guys are getting there, I love the book of Romans. It's considered by many, including myself, to be the greatest theological work ever written. It was written by the Apostle Paul. Um, it was a letter, right, um, to the church of Rome. Um, and it starts off in Romans 5, verse, verse 1, and it says, therefore. Say, therefore. therefore. Therefore, right? And anytime we see therefore, we need to see what's therefore. You guys have heard that, I'm sure. And so in order to do that, we need to go to the end of chapter 4, right? And the thing we need to keep in mind is that when Paul wrote this, there were not chapters and verses. It was a letter to the church of Rome. It was a, a singular thought. These are connected passages. They don't, they don't stand alone. And so when we see, therefore, when we go back to 425, it says this, he was handed over to die because of our sins. Well, who? Jesus. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right. Say right. To make us right with God. And so Paul's saying, therefore, therefore, because of this gift, this precious child that grew up to be a man of wisdom, laid down his life in order to make us right with God, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Say peace. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. You know, in order for us to have peace because of something, that means that there, there must have been chaos and animosity if it's taken away. And so if Jesus brought us peace, in his absence, it reveals that, that we're God's enemy in opposition, but, but it says, because of Jesus, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of undeserved, say undeserved, a place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory 
First and foremost, he came to make peace between God and rebellious, sinful human beings, right? That's us. Point number one is this. Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus, and Jesus brings us to a position of peace with God, a position that we could not have, that we would not have if it were not for the source, the Prince of Peace, the one prophesied about in the book of Isaiah, the precious gift presented in the manger, the one that the host of angels said, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth for whom God is pleased. God could not be pleased if it wasn't for Jesus, right? He's that source that we receive that brings us into a position to be at peace with God. The Prince of Peace, he settles our account, gives us right standing. Paul says this in verse six, when we were utterly helpless, hopeless, like Rick touched on that last week, when we didn't know which way to turn, when we didn't know what to do, when we didn't see a way out, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. I love God's timing, just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God. Don't you love those but God moments? But we were in chaos, but God. We were in adversity with God, but God, but God. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, not by our works, not by our goodness, our deeds, but by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. He says, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still enemies, think about it, we were born on opposing teams on the wrong side of the conflict, we held a losing position. But God said, listen, there's nothing you can do here. All is lost for you. There's no way out. There's no way forward. You're without hope. But I'm bringing something better. I'm bringing a light in the darkness. I'm bringing a gift. Come and see what I've done. Come and see the source of peace, the source of reconciliation. Come and see the reason our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still enemies. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Again, point number one, Jesus brings us to a position of peace with God. Advent brings us peace because it brings us Jesus and Jesus brings us to a position of peace with God. You're in Romans. I want you to turn back two books to the Gospel of John, 
And so that's still in your New Testament. New Testament opens with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus um, before the early church. Um, Here Jesus is talking with his disciples about his departure, as well as the coming Holy Spirit, right, his gift to us. And it says this, John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, who will never leave you. And so Jesus is our advocate, right? He advocates for us, but he says, I'm gonna give you another advocate. The King James says comforter. Say comforter. Comforter. Anytime I think comfort, I can never disassociate it with peace. There's, there's no comfort absent of peace. There's times uh, I, I enjoy the holiday season. One of the things I enjoy the most is, is fireplace right? And, and we have the tree and we have the fireplace and, and, and to watch something with my, my wife and just to be in a place of comfort with her with the fire going and the Christmas tree over in the corner and the lights and, and just the whole atmosphere, it's comfortable and it's peaceful. And Jesus says, I will send you another advocate. I will send you another comforter in my absence. He's Jumping down to verse 26, he says, but when the Father sends the advocate, comforter, right, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. And so he's saying, listen, I'm going away, but I'm sending someone in my stead, in my place to be with you, the helper, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he says this in verse 27, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the gift the world cannot, say cannot, cannot give, so don't be troubled. I love that. Jesus says, I'm sending you with the Holy Spirit. And with the Holy Spirit, we receive a gift, salvation among it, but a gift of peace of mind and of heart. And it's something the world cannot give. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he spent his, his latter years in, in ministry. Um, and, and though he was uh, a carpenter, I can't help but imagine he was a gifted one. I mean, come on, it's Jesus. I'm sure he did all things great. Um, but he, he didn't have an inheritance like we might hope to leave our children or our loved ones behind. And, and as Jesus left, he might have been absent of worldly wealth. Um, but... He didn't leave them empty-handed. He says, I'm giving you something the world cannot give you. I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving you with peace of mind and heart, a gift greater than anything we could experience outside of Jesus. Jesus, again, had no inheritance or fortune, but Jesus gave them two things greater than any worldly fortune, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit and the peace of Jesus himself. And as valuable as peace is, it's not surprising that sometimes the world tries to duplicate it, tries to offer counterfeit versions. And we encounter that, right? We seek, we seek peace in relationships. Just a moment I shared how much I can enjoy time with my wife, you know, and, and those moments of peace, but she's not a source for that in my life. I've tried to do that from time to time, and, and I love my wife, and, and thankfully she's not in here 
Um, but she can be difficult. She can be difficult. Not me. Um, not me, but her. And um, there's times where maybe we're sitting there together and the fire's going and the Christmas tree's lit. And, you know, I, I say something riveting and just funny and just powerful, you know, profound wisdom that I share in those moments. And the men in the room, you know where I'm coming from, right? And, and, and somehow it just ruins everything. I don't know how it happens. It's certainly a work of the devil. And, um, and then in the distance, we hear this, this herd of children running around our massive 1,200-square-foot house, all six of them bumping shoulder to shoulder, elbow to elbow. And suddenly, there is no peace. There's no peace in the Shaw household. There's nothing but chaos. And the 30 seconds that I looked over at the fire and really thought, man, this is the life, is ripped away in a moment. <laughs> because it was counterfeit. Right? Jesus is the source. And we look to relationships. We look towards governments. And I don't care what side of the fence you're on. We look for Republicans. We look for Democrats to, to bring about peace and they bring nothing but division. Right? We, we look to these substitutes. We look towards substances. I know in my own life, I spent 18 years trying to settle this up here with everything the world had to offer. To no avail. There's no peace there. And we've all sought it, just like Epictetus reminds us of. We all have this void in our life. We want it. We search for it. We desire it. We pursue it to the end, but it only has a singular source. That source is Jesus. And so we look to relationships. We look to the substances. We look to, to governments. We look to Amazon. And I have news for you. Jeff Bezos is not the second coming of Jesus. And in spite of two-day prime shipping, he's just not. He's just not. But, but Jesus is. And Jesus brings us the Holy Spirit. And he delivers something in our lives that nobody else can, that nothing else can. Jesus in the work of the cross gives us instant access to the Prince of Peace, the source in our lives. Jesus brings us peace by sending his spirit to live within us. Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus. And point number two is this, Jesus gives us peace to the Holy Spirit gives us peace to the Holy Spirit. There's something that can take place inside of us in spite of our circumstances, in spite of our situation, no matter how far you might have drifted, that you can have peace in the middle of all of it. I saw this, it was a, a meme or something um, online one time and it said, do I really need the Holy Spirit? And it's like, eh, girl, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart, you know. That was, but, you know, that was, that was funnier than you guys were letting on. Um, but, and it, it, it's true, right? Um, I, uh, this may surprise some of you guys, but um, outside, of, outside of Jesus, I default anger. 
Like, that's my emotion. I can either have a humor or, or anger, right? Just rage. And, and I struggle with that. And uh, <laughs> last week, I would went to Lowe's. And uh, so it's not a Walmart story. I'm, I've bagged on them enough in the past. But I went to Lowe's. And I love Lowe's. I love um, projects and, and doing stuff like that. And me and my, my oldest son were going to buy a... Uh, a bathroom cabinet and, and countertop sink, and we'd picked out one that had a, a beautiful marble um, countertop on it, and it was all t- together, and it was all there, right? It was, it was heavy. Marble's heavy. And um, this is what I know, that if I break it, I buy it. Um, if the, the Lowe's associate breaks it, they buy it, and I get to walk out with a new one. And so um, typically, I'm going to do things on my own, but I'm like, I'm not really trusting this. This is heavy. It's awkward, and it's top-heavy, right? It's like nothing on bottom and marble on top. And so I go to one of the associates and I say, hey, and it's a young woman, can you get somebody over here to help my son and I get this out? And she goes, yeah, oh yeah, of course. And so we stand there for five to 10 minutes and I'm getting irritated because I want instant gratification. I'm not getting it. Um, But finally... and if you're in the season of life, no offense to you, but a man that must have been 80 years old um, comes around the corner, and here I am, you know, in my late 30s, and I'm like, for real? Like, the lady knows what I want, and what you got, you got the oldest employee to come over here, and to do what? To do what? To watch? To watch? I mean, and, and I start just getting there, and... Uh, Luckily, my son's with me, so I'm trying to save my witness. And um, yeah, I just look at him. He's like, do you need help? And I just say, no, thank you. It's just a mistake. Like, we've got it. And uh, so we're, we take it out. And I'm just, man, just, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, right? That, that even in these moments, Jesus gives us peace. That's not what my flesh wanted to do. It wanted to make a, an idiot of myself. To rage against the employee, and I'm sure none of you have ever been there, you know, especially in this season, right? But that's what I wanted to do. But I'm reminded that, that God grows peace inside of me, right? We see in Galatians that, that it's a fruit of the, the Spirit at work in us, that we could have love, joy, peace because of what God's done. Again, Jesus gives us peace to the Holy Spirit. I want to share a passage with you, with you from Philippians. Um, as you're turning there, I want to share context because context matters. Philippians is one of the prison epistles. Now, epistle means letter, um, and prison means what you would think it would mean, prison. Um, and so Paul wrote this while in prison, and there's, there's a few different prison epistles, and they're all letters that Paul wrote while incarcerated in a Roman jail. Now, this is not like the Rogers County bed and breakfast we have here. Um, it's human um, rights were non-existent. And not only that, Paul's situation, he doesn't know the outcome. He could be executed for no reason, right? He could be freed. But the future is uncertain and bleak at best. And it, keep that in mind as we read these words. Paul says in verse six, don't worry about anything. Paul, did you forget where you're at? Don't worry about anything. Instead, say instead. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Again, Paul, you're incarcerated for preaching the gospel like you've done everything right. Surely, if anybody's ever had a right to be ticked off right here, it's you, Paul. But you're saying, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and thank God for what? 
For what? And you may be in that situation, right? Thank God for what, Aaron? You're saying that, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I have no peace in my life. Times are chaotic. Have you seen my checking account? It's Christmas. My kids expect gifts and I can't get them. I'm worried about keeping my lights on. Christmas dinner, not at our household, right? You may be in that situation. You may be in a season of loss, a season of grief, a season far from God, and you're wondering, how could I ever have peace in the middle of this chaos? And Paul reminds us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Then, say then, then you will experience the peace. Say peace. Then you will experience the peace which exceeds far beyond doesn't meet expectation, goes above and beyond, exceeds anything we can understand. And I love, at least Paul admits, that it's not going to make sense. Because I've been there. I've had to, to pray when I felt like there had no way out. I had to thank God for things that I didn't understand. And like, what am I even thanking you for? Just for showing up? That's what it feels like sometimes if we're being honest, right? We feel like everything's ripped away from us and, and we only have chaos. But God says, no, I'm the source of peace. The problem is you've been seeking it in all the wrong places. All the wrong places that only through Jesus can we have peace. And it's through the work of his Holy Spirit that not only we can have peace, but we can have peace that exceeds understanding. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace. Say his peace. I love that because his peace will guard, protect, guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The world's peace, the the counterfeit version doesn't guard anything. It only robs and steals from us and takes, but God's peace protects us, guides us, directs us, keeps us safe and moving towards God's will. Then you will experience his peace and his peace will guard your hearts and minds. We associate our circumstances with where our peace should be rather than associating our peace where our God is. And if he's inside, you have access to peace beyond understanding. You're in Philippians. I want you to go to the next book. It's Colossians. Um, so Philippians, Colossians. We're going to be in chapter 3. Interestingly enough, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul. Can you guess where he wrote it? He wrote it in prison, right? It's one of our prison epistles. And again, context matters. It's important to keep that context in the forefront of our mind. And so here we are in Colossians 3, verse 12. And he says this, since God chose you to be a holy people he loves. Stop right there. Chose who? Those of us who allowed Jesus to reconcile us to God, right? If, if God loves you, you must be a friend 
to God. And to be a friend of God, you must no longer be an enemy to God. And in order to no longer be an enemy of God, you must have received the gift, right? The greatest gift, the Christmas gift of salvation so you can be reconciled to God. And that's who Paul's talking about here right now. He says, since God shows you who us Christians, us Jesus followers, right? Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must Clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone. Say anyone, anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all else, clothe yourself with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And Paul's saying, listen, you, the church, this is the standard of which you operate with one another. Clothe yourself in tender-hearted mercy. Be patient. Forgive because you've been forgiven. And then he says this, and let the peace, say peace, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Not the peace that comes from world, not the peace that comes from your circumstances, but the peace that comes from God. Allow it to rule in your hearts for as members of, of one body, and the body that Paul speaks about is the church, for as members of one body, you were called to live in peace. Say peace. You're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus. And Jesus calls us to live in peace through his church. That as members of one body, the church, and not just the church here, the church globally, you are called to live in peace. I love the local church. Um, and I'm not talking about just Cedar Point, but God's gift, you know, the church that, that extends far beyond our walls here, um, far beyond Rogers County and Claremore and, and Oklahoma, but, but the church all over the world. But I love this church, right? And uh, the reason I love this church is this is where God um, really captured my attention um, and, and freed me and, and got my heart. And, and so I have a, a special kind of love for Cedar Point. But um, I, I, love, I love the local church and, and the church all over the, the world. And, and the interesting thing is many religions and groups are centralized, right? We, when we look at um, these different faiths, they're, they're specific to people groups oftentimes. They've branched out to some degree, um, but they're, they're consolidated and they're isolated. And, and we see that and, and, and it pertains to different social and economic barriers, but it's interesting. Christianity has broken more social, economic, and racial barriers than any other work on the planet. Why? I mean, we see in Isaiah that, that the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And to date, the church has reached one-third of the global population. Not one work across the planet has done more to bring unity among God's creation than the church of Christ, right? The, the body of Christ, us believers. We see the same thing taking place locally. I, uh, I did not grow up in the church. Um, that's probably apparent by the way I speak. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, not very polished up there. Um, and, and, but where I grew up, I, I felt dislocated from society. My parents were, they were good people. They loved me. They did everything they could. 
um, but we did not have um, a high social economic standing. Um, that wasn't for us. And, and I, I didn't feel like I could be a part of certain things. And, and then later on in life, um, I, I drove myself into a place of severe addiction. And addiction does more to dislocate you from society. I felt at odds with the community I'm originally from and from Claremore uh, when I moved here. Um, this was not home. I had no home. And then... I was at odds with my family, burned every bridge, wasn't welcome at holidays, none of that, but, but there's the prince of peace, right? The, the source of peace. And as I was reconciled to God, salvation, right? No longer his enemy. I was indwelled with the Holy Spirit as all believers are, right? We receive that gift, works in us. And it brought about a peace in my life and I was connected to the body. And in that connection, I had, I had peace at a home. I couldn't even remember the last time it felt like I had a home. But God brings unity among his people and, and people that outside of the church, you know, as we look across the room, there's people from every background, different parts of the world. We've all come together under one roof, for one purpose, for one person, the person of Jesus. Pursuing our hope that Pastor Rick talked about, seeking peace that only he can provide. Advent brings us peace because Advent brings us Jesus and Jesus calls us to live in peace in his church. I want us to do this. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to spend a moment with God. I want you to ask yourself a little self-evaluation this morning. I want you to ask yourself, have you rejected the Prince of Peace in some way this morning, the source? Have you sought counterfeit versions of the peace that God's seeking to offer you? Have you rejected salvation? Is that you? And you've, you've always ran from him, always distanced yourself from him. Have you rejected the Prince of Peace? Have you rejected the body of Christ? Just begin to sp spend a moment with him and ask yourself, have you allowed outside influences of the world to disturb the inward peace of Jesus? Jesus.